Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron lemons Got a couple games to go over, a couple to preview. Wake Forest football took on Duke on Thursday, lost 21 to 24. Men's basketball took on Elon yesterday, won 101 to 78. Men's basketball will be back at, at it again in Athens on Friday against UGA, while the football team has senior day against NC State at home on the CW, which is going to matter a little bit later. I'm going to start with basketball here. <laughs> <laughs> that first that was the epitome of of the call the ambulance meme because i mean in the first half wake force went down 21 points in the first half elon had 1.48 points per possession that's really bad if you're a defense that's awful they were 64% from three on 14 attempts. They shot over 64% from the field. Part of it, sometimes it was just bad defense. Sometimes they just were not missing. It was just kind of baffling to see how much they just weren't missing. Second half, things reverted to the mean. You know, Wake decided that they, the defense wasn't going to be optional in the second half and held Elon to 0.67 points per possession. And then from the three point line, 11.1% on 9%. Wake dropped almost 60 in the second half. They dropped 56. It was, it was insane. Like that was that, that second half was, was essentially what we expected. And, you know, it, it felt like the team that was playing against Alabama about a week ago. <laughs> I don't know what happened to them. And I don't, and I really hope that this isn't a trend. You know, I think that's something that they've struggled with in the past is starting out kind of, kind of just without enough fire and then really like getting into gear. But yeah, I hope that's not a trend, but you know, it's, it is encouraging to see you know, them being able to just really kick it into high gear and just say, we're just better than, than teams. And they've done that against, Alabama, obviously, in an exhibition. Now they've done it against an, in an actual game. Granted, Elon is you know in the three hundreds in Ken Palm, but so I'm gonna do a little three up, three down. I'm gonna start with the down because I like just getting hit. With, I like getting hit with the bad news first, and then going to the good news. The bad news was obviously one you were down twenty one points in the first half. Like that can't keep. That just can't keep happening. Uh, that that to can't. You know. Get guys just being sloppy with the ball. You weren't rebounding well. The de- they basically were just running the backdoor Parker offense. Like every five seconds, it was just like, okay, cool. And they're just going to backdoor Parker, who was kind of a pass on defense, but it was just, you know, it looked like a freshman playing his first actual game in college basketball. Second down is Matthew Marsh. And it's not, this isn't nothing said here is meant to be just he's the worst player ever, et cetera, et cetera try to thrive on nuanced discussion. Uh, he was minus three in only 14 minutes. I don't think he played the entire second half, if I remember correctly. Um, I It was 
yeah, he played zero minutes in the second and excuse me, he played two minutes in the second half and got an assist and personal foul. That was really it. Plus five in it though, which means in the first half, he was minus eight. Plus minus is always weird. I don't take too much stock into it, but I mean, it was hard. It, it was the worst I've seen Marsh in a, in, a, in a bit. Wasn't rebounding well, was not using his position just well at all. Just again, as a, against a team that he should have feasted on, not just because he's bigger, but he's just more athletic than what they were putting out there. And it was a little bit disappointing to see, you know, the performance from Marsh. Was that going to continue? I don't know. Really hope if you had Nepton Reed or you know Zach Keller, who I think I would kind of lump in here at disappointment. I thought Keller was fine in his minutes. I thought he wasn't great, but I thought he he rebound when he got a chance to rebound, play defense, was fine. I don't, I don't, I just you need we need to see some more reps from, from Zach Keller. And I I was hoping that this one got out of hand so that way you could have thrown him out there for a bit. And that's the I think one of the biggest things is like guys like Zach Keller, and we'll talk about with Bramo in a bit. You're going to need to blow some teams out come, you know, the rest of the, se- the schedule. Like, you're obviously not going to blow out Georgia. You're not blowing out Utah. But Charleston Southern, like he, I have New Jersey um, NJIT, I think you need to blow those teams out because those are the, those are the times you're going to get guys like a Zach Keller and, and sometimes Bromo. And just you got to get those guys reps, guys that aren't going to take a red shirt this year or probably can't take a red shirt this year you know maybe you get an Aaron Clark in there but you know that's where you're a lot of your Parker your Zach Keller your Bramo minutes right now especially given you know depth is going to be tested this season you got to get those guys some reps and I think the only way Zach Keller's gonna get better is if he actually gets minutes but he you can't give him minutes against Florida right now you can't give him minutes against Rutgers right now you can't give him minutes against EGA honestly at this point right now so but I Marsh was a little bit was was disappointing like I, I did not expect that performance out of him at all the last down Hunter Salas's injury he was playing on a sprained ankle that's not fun first I thought there was some sort of knee stuff because I remember he grabbed it at first but I think it was just the ankle that he was playing on they ended up sitting him for you know, I think the last like 10 or so minutes of the game thought that was a good decision. I mean, granted, yeah, they were at that point, the, the game wasn't, you weren't like dominating the game, but you were pretty, you were, you were pretty well up. And I thought that was the right decision from, that was the right decision from Forbes. Just be like, Hey, just go out. I said him for, he played only 10 minutes in the second half. Yeah. So that, I thought that was the right decision. Just let him sit for, for 10 minutes and just live to fight another day. Cam did his job. Car did his job. Boopy did his job. And I thought, yeah, fine. Sprained ankles are always annoying. Sprains in general are just annoying. So hopefully he's better in the next couple of days before they get to play UGA on Friday. Second half, Andrew Carr, which is like a recurring trend from like last year and also in the exhibition and also again today. Well, excuse me, yesterday. Andrew Carr in the second half had 27 and one with three blocks and on six for six shooting and was eight for nine from the line. By itself, that's incredible. Then you put it together when you realize he only had he realized he only had 24 points, five, uh, nine rebounds and an assist. So essentially his his entire stat line came from the second half at this point. I think he had three he had three or four and ones that and he looked like a he looked like a much stronger version than he did towards the end of last year, which you know that happens. He got hurt, lost a lot of weight. And you know, he looked like someone who had put on a bunch of weight in this offseason. Now I don't think the five's gonna be where they prefer him or where he prefers to be, but especially in games where Matthew Marsh is just is is ineffective. I think he's a pretty good option at that at that point. I think against UGA, it's going to be an interesting thing because he's got some size and athleticism that really kind of hurt them against Oregon from what I watched. You know, 
can you once again you know first half i don't like the fact that they're starting slow how do you get second half car to the full game car because that's Andrew car for the full game dude's dropping 30s like left and right so you know how do you get that to be his entire like his entire game lastly triple m marquise mitrovich marion i thought he was this was the this was one of the better 0.6 rebound, 0 assist, 2 personal foul games I've seen in a while. He was plus 26. <laughs> he was plus 26 in 28 minutes. I mean, I mean I'm serious about this. It's a Triple M is is more physically developed than what Bo, than what Bobby was coming into being a freshman. You know, he's going to have to learn, he's going to have to work on a shot a bit and be a little bit more aggressive from time to time. But he's a solid rebounder. He plays good defense, too. Like, that, you kind of saw him. He, he plays good defense. He's instinctual. He wasn't getting backdoor like Parker was. Like, they tried they tried it a couple times, and he kind of sniffed it out, and they just bailed in the pass. I think, you know, it's just it's just one game. You know, I'm not going to say him, like, he's going to be the star, superstar, et cetera, et cetera. Forbes said after the game, he just makes winning plays. He does. I mean the the rebound he got to, and then kicked it out the cam, and then sealed off the defender so that way Cam would just come come in for a dunk. That stuff you don't really like. That's, it's not going to show up in the stat sheet like at all. Like it, maybe the assists, I think you got credit for the assists there, but he it's it was well, he actually he didn't get assists there, so he didn't get it. So it, that's just stuff that's just not going to show up on the stat sheet. And I know that's always the cliche of like, oh, he does he does stuff that doesn't show up in the box score, but like he, that's what. I think that fourth, I think that fifth player in the lineup is going to do, especially until one, you get Tamari back, and two, and or two, after Nareed's waiver is proved. So the big news, obviously, was that after Nareed's initial waiver was uh, was not approved by the NCAA. His first go around, it happened right after ACC Media Day. And then, obviously, now they're appealing. The appealing is usually where these things go more positive. I have not heard of a single person getting their waiver approved on the first go around. So, you know, I, that's that's kind of where I go. You know, it, it is what it is. I think that I think the the NCAA is pretty much denying every waiver from the from the jump, and then saying, okay, let's see what else you got here. So. Um, We'll see. I feel positive on it, but it's also the NCAA. I can't tell you what they're going to do from time to time, day to day. They are an annoying organization that is their sham of an organization. So, yeah, it is what it is at this point. I feel positive about it, but I don't trust the NCAA as far as I can throw. Tomorrow will be back. Should be back in, should be back in December. But I, but I think especially when you get to your, your lineups, when it gets to December, January, let's say Epton Reed's waiver isn't re, isn't approved. So your lineup when when Damari gets back is more than likely probably Cam, Hunter, Damari. And then you can either go Carr and Marsh or you can go Boopy at, at Boopy at the one, put Cam at the two and three. "Quote unquote two and three, and then car at the five, or you can just roll with Marsh at the five, car at the four, and just kind of go from there. I don't know which one I really like the most. I think that's just going to be a matter of it. But like, you look at that one. If it's if it's Boopy Cam Hunter Damari Car, Boopy, I, 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 Boopy looked good. He looked solid, especially in the second half. He, uh, he was just a little pesky flag. His skin steals left and right." And a hilarious three. Boopy ain't isn't really gonna like be like a massive factor in terms of scoring in that lineup. Cam is gonna take Cam is gonna get his Hunter, who looked like Cam and Hunter looked amazing. Hunter looked like him <laughs> during that game. Damari hasn't Damari hasn't found a three he doesn't like. And Andrew Carr, you know, is gonna get his. Boopy probably isn't going to do much in that in that lineup, which is fine. It's fine. Like not all, all not all five people are going to be able to sit out there and just like just dominate. That's that's fine. 
and same sort of thing but you know boopy cam it's and, it's, and that's the thing like I, I don't know if anyone else i think someone pointed out that only five people scored from last night's game that's i think that's going to be the norm and marquise marion's role in this in this team isn't to shoot like that's just not his his, his role to shoot if he's wide open but that's not that's not his game bramo that's that's not your game parker that's your game you know play some defense shoot threes that's your that's your game marsh get open when you can play better defense you know, you'll start looking at, at like how the roster is constructed and the scoring is going to be pretty condensed between five to maybe seven players which is fine that's that's going to be largely fine cam's gonna cam is going to sit here and, and take 15 ish shots a game. Cam and Cam and Hunter are gonna take probably 15 shots a game each. Like that's they're probably gonna average around 28 to 30. Damari when he gets back is gonna have gonna going to get his Andrew Carr is gonna take nine to ten shots a game. There's only so many people that can score. There's only one basketball. And that's not from a people are gonna be unhappy standpoint. It's from a that's just how teams are constructed. And you know the rest of it is just play your role. So I think that's fine. I think if you're a guy like Bramo, you know, he only got nine minutes last night. I think you really need to get him some more reps. You know, he missed some time with the concussion. You you gotta I think you need to get Bramo some more because he he's missed a a, a chunk of some time with that concussion. So I think you need to start getting him going a little bit. You know, I thought overall successful game. You covered a you covered the Vegas spread, you covered the KP spread. I'm assuming you would cover whatever the net spread would have been. You won by twenty three. Turning the page is the UGA. I mean, I watched most, if not all, of that UGA game because I had nothing else to do at 4.30. I was super busy until 4.30. I watched it, and, you know, I think Georgia has a solid team. It's usually what Mike White does. He's someone that, you know, has always been able to, like, get talent in, and stuff it's been like just the kind of the x's and o's and like people actually playing yeah i i thought they got really 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 abused on the boards which and you know oregon sat out there and had a couple of six six eleven guys plus you know and finally dante just kind of kind of bullied them he had 21 rebounds (laughs) and also the the ducks shot awful from the free throw line. They shot 14 from 29. That game could have been a lot worse. You know, Georgia didn't shoot well at all. They shot, I think it's a little bit under 34%. They shot under 60% from the free throw line. They which was which isn't much of a departure from last year from UJ. UJ was not a good shooting team last year. And you know, it probably isn't the most encouraging that you shot under 34% for the entire game. Like I said, in the rebounds, they got just, ugh. Uh, Oregon had 34 rebounds in the first half. The entire game, Oregon rebounded them 63 to 41. You know, Sunahara's hurt, but you know, Oregon's not exactly healthy themselves. And so, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out exactly what this store team is. It's only one game but they also had a had some up and downs like they they were down big and then cut it down to four and then you know went cold again missed eight or nine straight shots and then put it down 20 again like it was it was that first half and the entire game was kind of rough from georgia that it was a lot the score was a lot closer than what the actual game looked like i think georgia had as many makes from the field as turnovers in the first half and in set in the end of the game it was 22 buckets to 16 turnovers and so if you're awake you know you obviously don't want to sit here and have that lethargic first half which you've had before especially with a team that like usually they put up 33s in their game yet in the game yesterday but this is one where I feel like you could definitely have, and you definitely can and do have an advantage, especially, you know, whether or not Matthew Marsh is 
is playing well. I think a guy like Andrew Carr could come in and have a very, very, very good game playing the five against this team. Like that just has been kind of getting bullied on the glass. Like I think they I think Wake probably starts Marsh and Carr again. And you kind of go from there to see, you know, what you can do there. You know, it's gonna be RJ Melendez is gonna RJ Melendez looked like RJ Melendez to them. Like he looked like a guy that's gonna absolutely have some big plays and then just turn the ball over five to six to seven times. Um, Jabri Abdur- Abdur-Rahim can kind of keep you in games as well. But, you know, some of it is they're also playing guy. They're playing some guys that are young, like Silas DeMary, uh, Blue Kane. Like they're playing a couple of really, really young guys. And those guys are going to are gonna make mistakes. And they're also playing some guys that are absorbing bigger roles. Like Archie Melendez is absorbing a really, really big role. Jabri Abdul-Rahim is absorbing a, a lot bigger of a role than, you know, I think he's used to. And so, you know, I I look for Cam and I look for Carr to be, and Hunter if he's healthy. I look for those three to really have some a solid game against this UGA team, especially if UGA just either is shooting poorly again or just cannot hold on to the basketball. Kicking things over to the football side of things. I know we got to talk about that. Don't worry. We got to talk about it. Wake Forest 21, Duke 24. I mean, you kind of just pissed away a game. Like you, you, you pissed away a game. Right? There's, there's not really another way to, to put it. You success rate wise, EPA per play wise. Yeah. SP plus, I think had it at like a 10% or 14% wake, uh, wake Forest, you know, post game win expectancy. Oh, excuse me, do win expectancy. It was just. It was just oh, three up, three down. Again, we're going to start with the down. Uh, the running game. And the running game extends for both offensive defense. Thought she didn't run it well at all against Duke, which was really surprising. They, I think they got, re- they got really – one, I know the injuries were there. You know, you're missing Luke Pettibone. And I thought – and I think Luke Pettibone was probably the biggest reason of the running game not being as good as it was on offense – because a lot of their really good runs, the last three, the last against uh, Pitt and against FSU, have been off of Jurgens and Pettibone. Those guys have been great there. Put in George Sell, who I thought was pretty good in pass blocking, not so good in run blocking. He had a couple of, of good blocks in a run game, but you know, I, I thought cons- the consistency of not having Luke Pettibone showed it there. Obviously, you're missing Nick Sharp and Matt Goldwyn has been up and down, especially in the run game. I I thought they got a little ha- little run happy trying to go side to side. I thought they tried to ha- run some inside and outside zone plays to really try to go side to side. And you know, I think a lot of times they just need to go, just just kind of go forward. They got a little happy with that and just really got them behind schedule too much. And Wake doesn't do well this year when they're behind schedule. No, a lot of teams don't do well when they're behind schedule. But Wake has been notoriously bad when that's happened. Sean Jones, I, I mean. The last two plays, which just one of them is kind of inexcusable. I under, I, I understand. Um, I, I, I understand. I, I didn't like how much he. I, I, I didn't. I, yeah, I it. I get he was frustrated. Like it, it's it, you're frustrated with the pass interference, but then you made it worse. You, you, the pass interference you didn't have to. You can make a good play. You can stop them here. It's it's fine. They're on about like what the the thirty the thirty eight here. Make a good play. There's only fifty eight seconds left. See what you can do to you know keep this going and yeah. Then you then you suplex a guy. And I I get it. I, I I I get it. It's in the moment it's a really, really hard thing to do. Because when you go back and watch it, you see that Hagen, Samir Hagens doesn't necessarily give himself up. His legs are his legs are still churning. So in theory, like you can't let him go. But you didn't need to suplex him, and then, so that's one of those hard things of like you didn't, you don't need to let him go. You know, you're still trying to, to whip him back, but 
the second the suplex happens, that's going to be flagged every single time. And it sucks because one of my favorite pictures of Cam Lynn is in the Syracuse game where he just suplexes the hell out of a dude. But I mean, now in 2023, that's just not how, what you're doing here. And you just can't, you can't exacerbate. You already got a pass interference to play before that instead of you being off the field in fourth and 13 with all three of your timeouts and having like a minute left to, in theory, you know, try to make a run here for a field goal or a touchdown. Now you give them another, uh, you've now given them 30 yards in two plays. And that's, you just can't have that. I don't put the, I don't put the touchdown on him. And I don't think a lot of people have because the touchdown pass that's thrown, he's in coverage. The issue there is Nick Anderson uh, is actually supposed to be deeper on that, on that play. Um, because if you look at it, it looks like he plays like he's supposed to have middle of the field help, but Nick Anderson was the safety on the, on the field side and just came up way, way, way too, too much. Like there was no reason for Nick to, to, to come up that far. And, you know, if Nick, if Nick doesn't come up that far, then, you know, it's second and 10, maybe even a pick to be quite honest, because, I mean, it was the way that was, that was straight. That was thrown like that. There was, there was no way for, for that to happen, but you know, it's second and 10, probably. I'll always remember the person that's trailing the, or that's closest to the play. Isn't necessarily the one that's at fault there. So third down, Mitch Griffiths in the offense in the fourth quarter. Ugh. I mean, the fourth quarter was just, was just awful. It was, it was just, I mean, yeah. You go Superman, you fumble the ball. And, and I'm not fault. I, I'm not, the, the, honestly, the Superman, I'm not mad about it all. I'm mad. I'm more, I'm mad about a turnover. I trust me. I am. I can't sit here and praise you for something you did a quarter ago and bash you for it. You know, the next quarter, that's, that's not how that works. It was a good play when it worked and you know it was the right play when it worked. And, you know, in theory, could he have, could he have slid there? Yeah. But, you gotta hold on to the ball. I'm more I'm more it's more of you holding onto the ball than it is you going in the air. The the turn the pick because you put on a glove and it and it slipped out of your hand. Because I still can't tell if he if it was a pump fake or if it just quite lit and he just like grabbed me, tried to pull it in because he didn't like what he saw when he tried to throw it, or was he trying to throw it and it just slipped out of his hand? Like that's not it doesn't make either neither one of them makes the other better. Like it doesn't. You're not saying you'd be like, well, he was trying to pump fake it. No, it's still, it happened when it happened. And it, it keeps happening. Like you cannot keep turning the football over. Like you, you just basically not. You know, I, I didn't like a whole lot of what Wake did in that fourth quarter either. That, that was, that drive was great. But I mean, they were, and some stuff I just didn't understand. Like you know, after the fumble, you get the ball back. It's still 21 14. Third and one from your own nineteen. Why are we Why are we throwing the ball here? You know, you're sitting here running the ball well, and you didn't do it. Third, you get you get third and seven. Mitch runs and gets down to the gets down to the forty five. It's fourth and one. It's midfield. I get the punt, but you had run for seven yards, four yards, four yards before that. Why are we throwing on second and six? Run the ball again. You basically you basically put yourself in the same scenario, whether it's an incomplete pass or you get stopped for zero yards. Give yourself a chance to get you know three four yards. I don't and I I didn't understand that. The interception one I also did not understand that in the slightest. I did not understand that play calling in general. And this is me. This is maybe you know. Cost and I, you can talk. You can talk that out. You get the ball with six thirty left on the, on the clock, and you go pass. You go two straight passes, one for nineteen, one for fourteen yards. Yeah, those two go. You're under. You're now about five and a half minutes left. Run for three yards, quick pass for three yards, and then you hit Cam Height for seven yards. Now you're on. It's first and ten. You're on the Duke forty with about four and a half minutes left. That has got to be the last, that's got to be the last drive here. 
if it's not the last drive, it's the, you know, Duke's get Duke's getting out of here with a minute left or so. I I I, I don't I you're maybe trying to sit here and, and you know you know looks like Mitch has his, has some confidence in him. He's throwing because he was throwing the ball well in that drive. But that's got to be your last drive. Like there there that should not have been there should not have been a shot play here. This has got to be your all right now. We're across. We're at the forty. You know Matthew Dennis has missed two field goals. I understand, and that and that was. If I had a fourth down, it would definitely be Matthew Dennis because if Matthew Dennis hits one of those field goals, they win this game. Just they, you go up by two scores at any point in this game, I think you you win this game. The you can you still have a kicker and you still you know got to show faith in him. You know you've been when you've gotten past midfield this this time you've been pretty good. You didn't need to take a shot play there. Like I, I didn't understand why the shot was why you're not just keeping it on the ground. Make Duke waste their timeouts, especially if you can keep things going. You've been running, you can run the ball fine up until that point. Like, you know, I, I just didn't understand why it felt like that was supposed to be like the dagger when it was like, well, we need to play a whole another set of downs after this. And it's like, I, I didn't understand what the thought process process was there once they got once they got past that. I just didn't understand that. The good. I uh, mentioned the offense for three quarters. There's not really a way to, to spin it. Mitch was good. Was was outright good in the first three quarters. Do just did not miss a didn't miss a throw. Uh, he missed he missed one throw with 23 seconds left in the third quarter. That was his first incomplete pass of the game. But I mean, the kid was electric for three quarters. Made extremely smart decisions. You know, some of the tucks and runs annoyed people and annoyed me from time to time. Some of them looked like they were just design runs. Some of them looked like he was, it was just like, hey, you know, you have one, maybe two read. Just, if that's not it, just get out of there. And, you know, you never know all, all how many of that is. I thought I, I, thought I got, got a little spammy, to be quite honest. But, but I mean, the dude had, you know, I think he was like 18th. He was 18th in the power five in his passing grade. For that, he and that was the entire game. You had a forty-five percent success rate, which was in the seventy-first percentile. You were seventy-fifth percentile on EPA for dropback of point two one. You were good, like you were, you, you were good on offense for three quarters. And now, even in the fourth, until the turnover came, like you were really good. And it's like, where has this been for the first and foremost, and secondly, like that's and that's something that's kind of perturbed me is. It felt like it felt like it took until the pit game where you needed to have the most basic offense on the planet for Santino for you to kind of sit back and take take a step back and realize, hey, you know what happens if we only if we only give Mitch you know sixty percent of the offense instead of you know a hundred percent. I don't know what the percentages are here. There were definitely some times where things looked predetermined, but there were definitely some times where, you know, there was improv. Like, they ran slow mesh. Like, they they let him make decisions. They sat there, and I know the the second touchdown uh, that he ran in, that was a, that wasn't a, the first one was a, was, Q, was QB power. That was a design QB run. The second one was Mitch's decision. I wouldn't be exactly stunned if you know if he was trying if he adjusted a, a lot more stuff than he did at the line of scrimmage than he ever has but you know I definitely thought he did at the at the at the run the second run from the goal line like that was a he saw where he saw that that Keyshawn was covered and that's where he wanted to go Marin was a second read he was covered as well and then decided to just take off, plant his foot up and over, scores a touchdown. And I mean, that's stuff that like that's improv. And so he he was allowed to to make different adjustments from the line of scrimmage. He was allowed to do a ton of stuff. Um, I think on the first one, he, in theory, I think I think I think on the first quarterback run. I think he tweaks the call because he sees that there's a safety blitz on the left side. And, you know, 
you can see where Demon Claiborne comes over there. And so he's he's allowed to move the play around. And so I thought they they gave him some freedom and he did really, really well with it. The fourth quarter where you know where he gets hit and, and he gets hit and fumble happens and he falls out of his hand, those cannot happen. But I thought for a large part of that game, he was very good. Will that continue? I don't know. You know why? Because nothing with this Wake Forest offense has been repetitive this year, besides the play calling. Nothing is, is repeatable. Like it, it's felt like, you know, they find success doing one thing and then like four plays later, it just goes away or like a game later. It just, it doesn't work. It, it's felt like things that, and I, and I get why they were kind of spammy on like inside zone and outside zone, just anything that kind of got people side to side that worked for them against Pitt. Worked, worked like hell for them against Pitt. And this game, they couldn't block, they couldn't block for it. You know, his own play was what they ran, uh, what Justice Ellison's big run was against. Uh, his own play was, was what he ran against uh, FSU. Like, but this this game, they just couldn't block for it. And so, like, nothing about this offense just is repeatable. So I have, I think it's fair to say, yes, you know, you had a good performance. Do it again, because I, I can't trust you right now. I, I just physically can't trust you to do something good for two games in a row. In anything. But the defense was still, for the most part, solid. You know, the run defense got a little annoying. A lot of Duke to run in the 64th percentile in EPA for us. It's not, it's not good. But, I mean, they Duke was in the 12th percentile in EPA for play, 27th in success rate at 36%. 14th percentile in yards for play. First, excuse me, first percentile in EPA for drop back at negative 0.87. Third down success rate allowed 33%. Uh, which is 25th percentile. And, you know, what killed them were the explosives. They were in, they allowed a 9% explosive play rate. That's been their MO this year is down the down. They've been really, really, really good. And then the explosives are what kills them. Same sort of thing here. But I thought, because I thought they got worn down a bit against FSU and it was encouraging to see guys like Kevin Pointer. Kevin Pointer is, they're, they're, this is going to be a little bit of tangent. They've got some. They've got some money in terms of roll the quad. They've got you know, well they're they're well in the seven figures. It's they're not sitting here scrounging pennies for a million dollars. They're not scrounging pennies to for you know nine hundred k whatever. They've got they've got a few million to play around with in this, and I think a lot of that is going to be retention. A lot of it. You're going to need to keep guys like Jamal Banks. You're going to need to keep guys like Kevin Pointer. You're going to try to keep guys like Kalen Carson, Shane Davis. I don't know if you can keep Shasheen. Um, he's he's earned some money. So I think, you know, the, the draft evals on the draft feedback from Shasheen and Kalen are going to matter a bit. Yeah, I think you're, you're going to you're going to try to keep Malik Mustafa, Keyshawn Williams, Taylor Marin. There is there is there is enough money to keep those guys. Demonte Gordon, Demon Claiborne. They're. If you kind of look, kind of look around and see, you know what other guys are getting, and you know how much they have, they they have enough money to retain their guys. Now they're not going to sit here and overpay, and you know that's something that is going to have to be very said multiple times. Is they're not going to sit here and overpay. They're not. They're not going to overpay, and they're not going to be able to match. You know, if say. Jamal Banks gets an offer for a million dollars, which I don't think he would ever, but let's just say someone offers Jamal Banks a million dollars to leave. They're not going to sit here and be able to offer a million dollars for Jamal Banks. At that point, I don't know if that's a smart business decision for anyone. I love Jamal Banks. I think he's great. He's, I think he's going to have an, he has an NFL future. Very few people in this business of college, of college football are making a million dollars and so if someone sits there and overpays wake's gonna make their offer they'll probably bump it up a little bit but they're not gonna sit here and get into bidding wars that's just not how that's gonna work it's and it's also been the smart way florida state look at florida state what they did in the offseason they didn't get into bidding wars they got outbid for a couple a couple of prospects and they said you know what screw it fine we're not dealing with it That's what that's probably going to be what Wake is this offseason is you know, if someone sits here, and I, I mentioned on, on the Metro Sports, if someone sits here and offers 
Devon Claiborne six hundred thousand dollars. See you, man. Like, no running backs in in, in college football aren't getting six hundred k. Like they're just not. Like they're they're not getting they're getting they're barely getting like a hundred k. Like your top ones are barely getting like a hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, I think there's money to keep guys that have been performing well. There's going to be a couple. I think I think Malik comes back. Um, by the I, I, if I if I had to do anything, I I think Malik is back. Donovan, um, the I think Donovan will be back, and I think next year. I think no matter what, next year is Donovan's last year. He has a few other years of eligibility. I think Donovan will have one more year in college, and then just be done. Donovan, the worry, the worry across a lot of people, not not Wake, but like just exterior is, you know, he's been injured now what three years at this point because he got he's missed all he's missed all this year. Missed all of 2021. Banked was banged up in 2019. Was banged up in 2020. Was banged up in 2022. He just he just can't stay healthy. And so you know how much is that worth? You know, I there there are processes in place for that. You know, I think you go out there and get it and and you see what's in the transfer quarterback market. I don't think you sit here and spend you know a million dollars on someone that's just bad just because you think you need a quarterback. But I think you do survey the market, but. I'll say I thought Kevin Pointer was really good. I thought Shane Davis was very good. Bryce Gagnus looks solid. They, they got to get healthy at linebacker. I mean, I, I think Jacob Roberts has been a very good addition. Dylan Hazen played well. Quincy Bryant played well, but like mistake Aiden Hall made was brutal. But thought down the down the defense was still good, and you know I was worried about that coming off of a game where you look like you drug. And last me, and, and it feels like a moral victory. I don't mean as a moral victory is you didn't quit. You, you made some bonehead mistakes. Like don't get me wrong, you made a bunch of bonehead mistakes, but you didn't quit. And that's a lot of times when you're looking around the country and you're trying to figure out value, whether it's betting, whether it's just you know, you know what's going to happen, seeing for conference championships, bowl games, is you try to see the teams that have quit, and there are some teams in the ACC that have quit <laughs> there are some teams in across the country that have quit wake doesn't look like one of them and i don't i'd be surprised if they came out and quit on saturday um if they lose on saturday i yeah uh, but they they haven't quit yet and you know i there's a concerted effort from the players and the coaches that like they can still make a bowl and that's been good you know, you know some people want some some people on the outside want the season to end and you know be that as it may you know players are the ones that kind of decide that and right now they haven't they at least from seeing it talking to them they haven't they haven't and that's encouraging now can you parlay that into a damn win like at the end of the day can, like, can, like for christ's sake can you get a win you turn the page to saturday where you're taking on NC State, who is, you know, like this this line smells. Like this line absolutely reeks. I mean, I thought it should have been around one-ish, one and a half for NC State. Right now, time of recording this, excuse me, NC State is a two and a half point favorite, minus 135 on the money line. We were under 44 and a half. It's going to be at 2 p.m. on the CW right after Riverdale. And, you know, that line kind of stinks <laughs> if you're on the outside. I mean, there are kind of reasons of why that line's pretty close. You know, Wake has sat here and lost a lot. <laughs> they've lost, they've lost a ton. They've, Wake Forest has lost five out of their last six games. Like, Meanwhile, you turn the page to NC State, who, you know, State's six and three, they're bowl eligible, and they're coming off of a, you know, home wins against Miami and Clemson, you know, and they, and you're like, wow, like the lot after that Duke, after that Duke loss where they just could not do anything on offense, you're like, wow, you know, people were like, fire Dave Doran, you know, fire him, fire him, fire him. I go look at their boards, go look at Twitter. They were trying to get Dave Dave Dorton out out the, out the paint here, and they beat Clemson. They beat Miami. Miami looks awful, um, and now it's like, oh, NC State's back. You know, the, you know the best Wolfpack is. I mean, and it's true. The best NC State 
teams are the ones that are doubted, are the ones that, you know, you can't do anything. You're you're just that bad, et cetera, et cetera. And so now it's like, okay, now people actually believe in NC State, which is where NC State's kind of at its worst of, you know, they they don't they don't do well with expectations. They they haven't. They don't do well in, in Winston-Salem either. It, I mean, that's just kind of been the thing of a NC State team that's better than Wake comes into Winston-Salem and loses. That that's just that's just been the thing. That's that's not even being a homework. That has just been reality for NC State. A solid to good NC State team rolls into a one to the Winston whether whether Wake is you know fighting for the ACC title. Like that was the year that Clemson like remember 20, 2021, That was the year Clemson um Nissi State beat Clemson and Wake got their teeth kicked in that in that second half against Clemson and. Wake won, and you, you, you take a look backwards of of just what happened with NC State Wake, and you look at I think it was what twenty eighteen, where you know they come into they come into Winston Salem and just excuse me uh twenty nine twenty nineteen they come into Winston Salem they were just really 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 hurt. Uh, 2017 was when they come in and, you know, that was the, you know, goal line stand game. <laughs> 20, uh, you know, that's just what this team does against, against Wake. Uh, 2013, they, they take an L. And I don't know what it is, but and if you want to extend it to just, you know, NC State being a better team than Wake, the 2018 Jamie Newigan, like that, that is just what this rivalry has been. And you know what happened on Saturday? I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, there's there's a reason it's two and a half point favorite. You know, there there it's it's out there. The rumors are MJ Morris is redshirting. Um, that's that is the rumor. It's it's like it, it's out there. So I don't feel I don't usually deal in rumors, but that's one where I'm like, hey, don't be surprised if he doesn't play. But like, I'm not reporting that. So. And also, like, NC State's offense, for all of it's been worth, you know, they've come out of some games, well, their offense has been off. <laughs> like, like absolutely terrible. Like, last, last week against Miami, their offense was the best I think they've been since the Marshall game, probably. And they were in the 30th percentile of on e-paper-play. The last the games beforehand, they were against Clemson and Duke. They were in the seventh and sixth percentile, respectively. They're winning on defense. They're winning just by saying, "Hey, let's not let's see if we can just get a turn get some turnovers, get some stops, make this game as ugly as humanly possible." That's just what NC State is right now. It's just let's just make games ugly, and so it'll be interesting to see, you know, how what Wake's game plan is. You know, I thought the game plan they had on Thursday was probably the best game plan of keep things simple, stupid, you know, give, give Mitch 60 to 70% of the offense, make sure, let him, you know, not put the ball in danger. He looked off places that would have been in danger, did well, see if he can run the ball <clears throat> and, you know, tee off on the offense. And then that's what people have been doing. against this, this Miami team, excuse me, this NC state team is there. They've just been, teeing off against them on offense. So we'll see. <laughs> Excuse me. Something in my throat. You know, I mean, this is a do or die, essentially, for Wake. Part of it is how much of a motivation factor plays into this. Obviously, NC State, once it's a rivalry game, you know, NC, you think NC State's going to be sort of up and, and you know, it's we're going to beat the, the North Carolina teams, but... Their margin of error is so razor thin. I I don't know how much necessarily NC State emotionally will have the rest of the season until they play UNC because you know no matter what you they'll always get up to play UNC. But they've had two straight emotional emotional wins, and I know Wake. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say Wake cares about this game more than 
NC State. And Wake needs this to be bowl, needs this to have a shot to be bowl eligible. NC State, I mean, NC State could be nine and three. They NC State could could randomly just end up being nine and three after the hilarious year they've had. They could be seven and five. And if that seventh win is against UNC, they're like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Dude, that's that's NC State. Like that's just who they are. So we'll see. I I don't I don't want to say I'm optimistic. I'm not, I'm not pessimistic about this game. I think it's going to be a test of how how can you limit yourself from turning the ball over, which has been your Achilles heel, but. If you look like you did for three quarters on Friday, on Thursday, excuse me, to win this game. Not, I don't, I don't care that it was a third string quarterback. You know, Duke's receivers are better than State's receivers, and you handle them pretty well. State's offense just looks abysmal. It just looks bad. Like they, their margin of errors, they they have no margin of error. It is simply a, you know, if you score twenty points against. Clemps against NC State, I think you win, to be quite honest. Like, I thought you needed to win in, like, put 24 to 27 to beat Duke. I, I think you need to put up 20 against them to win if you don't turn the ball over. So, um, State doesn't really hit explosives. Duke, Duke did, and I mentioned on the preview beforehand, Duke hits explosives. State just doesn't. They just They just are not an explosive team this year. And they haven't turned the ball over. Do one of those change when Wake's been really good at forcing turnovers, but also really bad at limiting explosives? You know, which one of those gives in this game? And I think that's where, at least on defense, you're going to have to, you'll, you'll figure that out. Thank you guys for listening so much. We'll have another show up for Thursday. And as always, good eeks. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.